You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. The following episode contains graphic material and distressing themes that may be triggering to some audiences. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 to be connected with someone in your area. Augusta, Georgia, known around the world as the home of the Masters Golf Tournament. It's also where the Howell family raised their daughters, Sierra and Crystal until secrets carefully buried in the southern soil reached the light and there was nothing good left in Augusta from Michael Howell. After a highly contentious divorce from his wife, Christina, the revelation that his oldest daughter, Sierra, was not his biological daughter and being arrested and charged with stalking, it was time for Michael to pack up and go. He moved to his vacation home in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. The routine of talking to dad each day started to exhaust Crystal, and their conversations turned too dark for the teen. Um, he began being more obsessive than concerned. I guess his tone of voice kind of switched. And one afternoon he asked me, he was like, do you know what a vigilante is? And I was, I was like, what? And he explained to me, like, sometimes bad people deserve to die. And he told me, like, what my mom had done was bad. Like, she betrayed her family. She didn't love me. She didn't care about me. And he had said to me that sometimes that thing needs to be taken care of. And I'm just like, where is he going? And I'm like, so on the phone, sometimes I had to coax things out of my dad to be like, where are you going with this? Like, because... He would just go on and on, and I'd be like, okay, what's the point here? And he had asked me, he was like, uh, will you stab your mom and make it look like an accident? And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, straight up, I was like, no, I'm not doing that. But I'm not, it's not me. Because he explained to me, he's like, you're a kid, I'm an adult. If I do something, I'm going to go back to jail. And is that where you want to see me? Were you ever scared at what he was saying? Or did you just pass it off? For a long time, I kind of just brushed it off because I assumed he was angry um, and bitter from the divorce. But I just figured he was all talk. Did you tell your but mother about the things he was got, saying? No, because my dad told me that it was basically us versus them. Like, if I told her anything, then she's going to put him back in jail. And who knows what will happen to me, you know? Because he's making it seem like... She's not on my side, basically. Crystal was still torn over living with her mom and felt unsettled with her new blended family. She was looking for comfort and a needed distraction. That is, until she met her first love. Then, everything changed. 
I'm Melissa McCarty. And I'm Kelly McClear. We are Emmy-nominated investigative journalists, and we've been talking to Crystal Howell since her dad's murder in 2014. Eight years after Michael Howell's murder at 25 years old, Crystal is telling her story. We bring you the exclusive series, Killing Dad, a first-degree mistake. Everyone remembers their first love, and for Crystal, that was no different. Hers was Tyler Lee. He was four years older than me at the time, so I'm 12, he's 16, whenever I meet him. And I met him on MySpace. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of socially awkward, so it's, it's a lot easier to like interact with people online at first. He lied to me about her age the entire time. We, uh, we sneak off and smoke, you know, Typical teenager stuff. Uh, we used to go to the mall. We used to go just kind of wherever we could go because at the time, you know, I had met her right before I turned 16 and got my license. So once I got a car, you know, we just kind of went wherever we could. We just like instantly, like, I just knew there was something about him. Like, he would just had this spark. And I, I saw him and it felt like I'd known him forever. Like, that sounds like corny, like, oh, okay, whatever. But, there was something about him that was so familiar. She was giddy over her love interest and was feeling free to be herself. <laughs> At home, Crystal was trying to click with her new stepdad, Keith, who came with his own children. It was a full house. Crystal would take moments to herself when she could, but her typical teenage mind was always swirling with insecurities and doubt. And soon, her life direction was about to go into another tailspin sleep on the couch and I felt someone touching me and I wake up and I instantly freeze because I'm like Who, who's touching me like what's going on like and I'm just kind of laying there like in shock and my first thought is it's probably this new guy like you know clearly I don't know Keith that well so I'm like is he some kind of weirdo like my eyes are so closed I don't know who it is so all of a sudden I open my eyes and whoever it is kind of ducks down behind the couch and I'm freaked out so I'm not like chasing after whoever it is I'm just like well that was weird like what's going on so a few weeks later I fall back asleep on the couch and that's when I had opened my eyes afterward and I, I saw that it was my uncle I don't think he realized that I saw him but I, I realized then that's who it was my sister still lived there and my mom of course um, my uncle was with us. He was going through a divorce, I believe, or marital troubles of some sort, because he had been living in Pennsylvania. He'd been living with us since before my dad had left, so he'd been there a while. Um, but it kind of came out of nowhere because me and my uncle were pretty close. Like, we were always cool, so I, I'm, like, not really understanding what's going on. Crystal says the incidents with her uncle were sporadic but his behaviors escalated each time. There was an incident where he had touched me like under my shorts and he had touched under my top as well. Um, on another incident, he had put his penis on my mouth. Um, and in one of the incidents where he had been touching me under my shorts, it had 
his fingers, you know, had penetrated me and that had taken my virginity. <laughs> so did you, the first or second time around, pretend like you were sleeping because you were afraid and then at one point you woke up to try to catch him in the act? Yeah, that's basically how it went. Like, I was just, I get scared and in shock. Like, I don't, I don't just want to open my eyes and have a confrontation. Like, cause I'm more of a passive person. Krista, how long did this go on for? Um, it occurred on and off for, I would say, six months to a year because it was not, it was not something that was consistent. What happened maybe on three separate, three separate occasions, I believe it was. And so did you ever, within the three occasions, um, just debate within yourself to tell your mom? I just kind of wanted to let it go because I just didn't know really what to do about it. And I just felt like it's just better to just let it go. It'll, it'll fade away. The only person Crystal confided in was her boyfriend, Tyler. What really drew us, like I said, was just kind of the commonality that we had in some of the abuse. I mean, she told me what she went through. I told her what I went through. And, you know, I guess it was kind of two people who had been through a lot that seemed like we could connect on that, um, you know, level of that, of what we had been through. Tyler says he and Crystal bonded over enduring abuse in the home. My dad is, you know, was a very abusive. Um, my dad was crazy, and you know, he actually went to prison. I mean, I would say divorce was the divorce that he went to prison, but my mom always wanted to try to get away from him. So we had a very abusive, you know, childhood growing up. Me and my brothers. Crystal and Tyler were connected by their trauma. They relied on each other for happiness and became each other's crutch to isolate their pain and enjoy their shared pleasures. He held my hand and I, I never had anybody hold my hand before. I'm just like, what's going on? Like, like he just seems so confident and I'm so not confident. I'm just always unsure in everything I do and he just seemed willing to take control. And that first day, um, we ended up having sex, you know, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Like, oh, you lose your virginity the first time you meet somebody, but I'm with him, and when we're about to have sex, I'm just, like, explaining to him, like, I don't have my virginity anymore. And I told him the story about my uncle then, and he was very understanding about it and was very considerate, like, are you sure you want to do this? Stuff like that. I thought I was in love with her, but at the time being, you know, it was just... You know, honestly, just love for the wrong reasons. Like, we both had emotional problems that we just, at the point, didn't know how to deal with. I do remember her specifically telling me that he did break her. Um, and the thing is, is I kind of believe it at some point, because there was a time when we were, we had snuck out, you know, and we, we were talking and hung out one night. He snuck out to see me. And I remember I left my car down the road, and I came back and to find out that my car had been broken into on that night, Crystal and Tyler both snuck out after their parents went to bed. They were hanging out near the woods by the house when they saw her uncle walking around. My uncle had a bartending job, so maybe he had like had a few drinks before he came home because I could tell he he stumbled out of his own car. Because me and Tyler, we're sneaking around, so my mom doesn't know what I'm doing. So we're over here hiding and we're watching him 
and we're just like, what is he doing? And we're still hiding, and we're just watching him, and he's like, he's breaking into my car. Like, so at first we're thinking, oh, God, he knows. He sees your car. He's kind of parked down the street. It's not in the yard. And um, he breaks in, and he did steal some petty stuff, like some weed and a bowl, and I think a little bit of money. Um, and so Tyler is obviously mad for, one, he's being stolen from, and two, he knows this is a man that's been molesting me. He's never seen him before. So his instant reaction was, I want to smash up his car. I want to mess him up type stuff. And I'm just like, no, we just have to play it cool. I'll talk to him. Like, I'll get your stuff back. So the next day I'm going through my uncle's stuff, trying to find Tyler's things and I, it's nowhere in there. So I texted my uncle. I was like, it's Crystal. I know what you did. And I'm going to tell my mom if you don't give my boyfriend stuff back that you stole. And he takes it back. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Playing dumb. Um, and so, clearly, I can tell he's, he's not going to get the stuff back. So, we get home that night, and I basically call him out in front of my mom. I was like, you've been molesting me. Like, you know what you've been doing. And he's, like, still playing dumb, and my mom is just taking his side. A profound moment within the family. I mean, you're, you're saying this, calling your uncle out. He's denying it. Your mom's in the middle. Her child, her brother... You know, the stepfather's there. What was that room like? What was the emotion like? It was, this might sound weird, but it's like the room felt electric. Like I, I'm feeling angry and at the same time hurt. And he's clearly, he's looking defensive, but at the same time, he's looking like he really doesn't know what I'm talking about. His, his reaction's seeming pretty genuine, but for a child, a 12-year-old, maybe around 13 at this point, to call someone out in front of her mom and be like, you're doing this to me, and it's wrong, and I'm calling you out about it. I feel like something should have been done. It should not have been ignored. And that was something that kind of pitted me against my mom, because I'm like, how could you not protect me? Within that next couple of nights, um, and I'm just laying in there, and I feel someone crawling to bed with me. And he told me, I knew no one would believe you. And he just smells like alcohol, and it just makes my stomach turn. Like, I'm just dumbfounded, like, you're in my room, right next to me, when you should be in jail. You should, or at least somewhere else, not here. And I just... He leaves and I just roll over and kind of cry. Like, <laughs> Crystal felt no one believed her, including her own mother. Crystal was left in a home with the uncle she claims abused her and a mother who didn't believe her. So, what does a teen do? Crystal's dad was hours away in the mountains of North Carolina. She took a break from talking to him because of his brewing rage against her mom. And her mom disregarded her accusations of being molested by her uncle. After all, she was dubbed the troubled teen in the family. The only person Crystal seemingly had by her side was Tyler. I felt like she just, her mom didn't love her. Or, you know, she felt like her mom didn't love her because her mom didn't believe her what had, had happened to her. Did you believe her? 
I didn't, you know, I believed her, and the only reason why at the time, like I said, the uncle thing kind of proved very creepy for me. In fact, then I had an iPod, and her crystal found the iPod in her uncle's room and found out that her uncle had been watching us through the woods when we were walking around and talking. So, and that kind of freaked me out a little bit. Tyler, dealing with his own issues, ends up getting in some trouble and is sent away for a bit leaving Crystal once again feeling alone, with the unforeseen foe still living under the same roof. I don't have this person that's helping me mentally to kind of get through the burdens of daily life. Um, I'm still staying with my mom and my uncle, so that's kind of awkward. Like, I'm just sitting there trying to pretend that everything's okay, like, but inside it's not okay. So then I have my dad in... I'm like, well, I can always retreat back to him. Like, he'll be there for me. She wanted to bridge the gap with her father after a break from talking. He's telling me my mom doesn't care about me. He's telling me all this stuff, and I I can't take it mentally. So there was a point when I just kind of focused on more so my friendships than on him. So there was a brief break in our closeness, but it began back up again. We had so many similarities that... It was almost like we were the same person sometimes. Like, he would hurt, and it would hurt me. He would laugh, and I'd be okay. You know, a lot of his emotions kind of dictated my own. When Crystal approached her mom to go live with her dad in North Carolina, Christina didn't put up much of a fight, something that Crystal's Aunt Brenda doesn't understand to this day. As a mother, I truly do not comprehend not being there for your daughter no matter what. But by making the move to live with her dad, that meant Crystal had to move away from Tyler. She always, always told me how much she loved her dad more. And I mean, I'm being dead serious. So the thing is, we dated for like, I think eight months to a year at first when she first lived here. And then her mom actually moved her back to her dad's house. Um, and at the time, I think she told me she was that's why I thought she was 14 or 15, you know, going on to be 15. And she lived up there for four months, and we kept her relationship going up there because I actually used to go up there and see her and spend time, you know, spend a weekend in the cabin with her dad. Michael's Mountain Retreat home nestled in Maggie Valley, North Carolina, is a town dubbed as where the Smoky Mountains meet the Blue Ridge Mountains. And like any small town in America... Everyone knows each other, but not necessarily their secrets. Crystal's friend Summer grew up in the area. So, Waynesville, Maggie Valley, all of the towns that are in this area, I would describe them as very small town. Um, If you know one person, you probably know everybody because everybody is mostly related to each other, except aside from like, we have a lot of tourist attraction that comes through. This was a fresh start for Crystal, a new town and new friends. She soon met her best friends, Summer and Taylor, at school. I met Crystal, and the first thing I noticed was that she was um, the center of attention always, usually. Um, Not, like, necessarily in a bad way, but in a, like, damn, I wish I had that much confidence way. Um, she was always making people laugh and always having fun. And she just like looked like someone you'd want to be around. 
And uh, the first thing that actually, like, the first thing she ever said to me was, um, the, there was a certain way I smiled, and she said I looked like a rat when I smiled like that. And she was like, do your rat face, do your rat face. And that's how we started to get to know each other. And then after that, it was kind of like a whirlwind from there. We just got really, really close, really fast. This town is really small, so a lot of times that comes with a lot of closed-mindedness. Um, and that really reflects in younger minds a whole lot. So there's a lot of different cliques. You know the book, The Outsiders? I'm going to describe us as the greasers of this situation because we were absolutely the outcasts. Michael's home in Maggie Valley was a family property that had been passed down to him. The road that she lives on is probably 15 to 20 minutes back into the woods, and it's the very last house besides one other house on the top of the hill. You can see the entire Maggie Valley, the, the whole the whole city. Um, I would say that it's very isolated, and whenever I would go up there, every light in the house would be off, except for one bedroom light. Her bedroom light would be on, and then, like, an upstairs bedroom light would be on. Her dad was... Uh, I don't want to like, uh, man, he was an interesting person. I'll say that. He was, I got a re really strange vibe from him. But at the same time, I only knew what Crystal had told me. And she'd only ever told me that they had a good relationship. The home was grand at first glance. But it was a home that echoed in silence of the empty space from the absence of the other half of the family. The whole family would go, so there'd be a bedroom for everybody. So it's a six-bedroom house, and it's just a huge house for two people to be in. And it's just a little bit overwhelming at first, like, to go from this kind of, kind of I wouldn't say crowded house, but, you know, all these kids running around and stepdad and a mom to this empty house with a dad and a dog. But her focus was to fit in at her new school. And she wanted nothing more than a clean slate. I'm at school and I'm going to say bye to my friend. And so I left with the car riders to go say bye to her. And I'm looking across the crosswalk and it's this long walk all the way down the sidewalk. I'm like, well, I'm not going to be able to make it down there. And then, so I'm just going to cross the street. So I'm about to walk down the street. I'm looking both ways. The road's clear. And then somebody calls my name from the back and it's like, hey, Crystal. And it's just somebody saying bye. So I'm like, oh, bye. And so I run down this hill, and immediately I smacked the pavement, and I'm like, what? And I got hit by a car at school, and it was embarrassing. Everybody's watching. People are taking out their phones and taking pictures. And so I would just, I would stand up, but the lady is parked on my legs. So I can't move, and I'm just kind of stuck on the ground. And I'm like, hey, lady, can you back the car up? You parked on my leg. And it's this Christian woman, so she's like, standing over me and praying in tongues. I'm just like, oh God, what am I gonna do? This lady's parked on my leg. But eventually she backs up and I was wearing shorts that day, like cheerleading shorts. And I had the phone tucked into the waistband of my pants. So when I was hit, the phone fell out of my pants and hit the ground. So in my head, I'm like, I need to call my dad. Like I'm freaking out. So I reach over and I grab the phone and the rumor that spread across the school is Crystal Howell was hit by a car and then began texting immediately afterwards. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm known for at that point. It really wasn't that bad, but everyone after that called her roadkill. When I'm 
on the phone right now. I'm like, uh, they're putting me in the ambulance. I'm going to the hospital. I guess meet me there. I don't, I don't know. I've never been in the hospital for anything. So I'm just like, uh, don't really know the protocol for this. So he's, he's panicking. He rushes to the hospital. I just had a sprained ankle. Like it wasn't anything crazy. And, uh, I had like road rash. A few weeks later, a routine afternoon pickup from school takes an unexpected turn after the bill for Crystal's ambulance ride comes in. So I get in the car and immediately he has this bill in his hand and he starts accusing me like, it's a really expensive bill because I don't don't know exactly how much, I don't remember, but it's something outrageous because before I left, um, my mom had canceled my health insurance. So I don't have insurance coverage, so it's a crazy bill. And he's immediately accusing me of working with my mom against him to basically make him look stupid. I'm just kind of blindsided by this because I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm just confused. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And he just starts hitting me out of nowhere. And I don't know how to react. I'm not going to hit him back. Like, that's my dad. I'm not going to hit you. So I'm just kind of ball up. Like, I cover my face with my hands and he's hitting me and pushing me and I'm hitting the window and that goes on for a little bit and then I'm just like what's wrong with you he's parked in a different spot than he usually is like usually he's parked right next to the entrance he pulls out immediately and we'll, we'll go home but he's parked halfway across the parking lot and so he just starts the car and he starts driving full speed across the parking lot and at this point I'm really freaking out because there's these light posts all throughout the parking lot and he's driving directly towards one and at the last minute he just swerved and I'm breathing heavy I'm looking at him like he's crazy like what's going on man like what and he's just laughing like it's funny Crystal says her dad laughed it off then drove them home I just kind of wanted to get away. Like, I just felt like we need to separate ourselves because I'm not used to him acting like this, so I don't really know how to react. So my instant thing is just retreat and it'll blow over, it'll be fine. So I go in the bathtub and I'm just soaking my body. Like, cause I looked in the mirror, um, I'm naked and I'm looking in the mirror and I see like fish shaped, they're not really welts, but you can see red marks and they're like in the shape of fingers and it's like on my torso and my collar and nothing's bruising yet. So I'm like, okay, it's probably fine. So I'm just getting in the bathtub, trying to relax. And so I sink down and like my head is rested like against the edge of the tub and my eyes are closed. And I'm just trying to sit there and think like did I do something wrong to make him kind of go crazy did I did my mom tell me about this medical bill and I forgot to pay attention when she's talking like did I just overlook something or did she really not tell me and so I'm just trying to I guess make excuses for him in my head like because I'm not understanding what's going on like what's happened and the next thing I know I had not locked the bathroom door because I never had a reason to um so I see my dad, like, feel him push me under, and my eyes are open under the water. I'm just panicking. I'm, I don't take a breath in before I go under. Um, and his hands are, like, on my neck, so it's difficult to breathe. And it's just, like, that's where I was pushed under from. Like, he didn't, he didn't touch the top of my head and push me under like it was my throat. 
and all of his body weight is just on top of me and I'm clearly fighting for breath. I can't breathe. Um, and I hit my face on the side of the tub, tr- kind of struggling to grasp. And all of a sudden, he just lets me go. And I throw up in the water, and I'm just, like, looking around, like, what's going on? He's he's out of the bathroom now, so I get up. I don't dry off or anything. I just go lock the door. And I just kind of start freaking out, like, what just happened? Did he try to kill me? Like, I can't even piece this puzzle together. And I look in the mirror, and, like, my cheekbone, it, it's, like, shiny and red. Like, it's not bruised yet, but I can tell that something's going to be there. Um, And I see, like, these little faint blue marks all popping up around my neck. My face has busted blood vessels on it. And I can see the bruising coming up, so I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, and I have a cell phone in my pocket on the floor. So I grab the phone and I take these pictures of my face, like from both angles and of my neck. And there was this guy that I was friends with, his name's Donald. Um, and I sent him the pictures and I didn't want to be like, hey, my dad just tried to kill me. Like, how, how do you even approach that subject? Like, so I just replied to him and I told him that I had an abusive boyfriend. And if anything ever happened to me, he needed to um, send the police to my house. We found and reached out to Donald by email to corroborate Crystal's story about the image she sent him. He responded saying he was going through a tough time and wished us well on the podcast. I feel like if this stuff was happening to one of my friends and I found out about it, I'd be like, you're crazy for not doing anything. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, you need to get help. Like, you need to tell somebody. But at this point, I'm not, I'm not talking to my friends about it. I'm not not calling my mom. I mean, what is she going to do? <laughs> so I just kind of let it go. And I, um, I walked out of the bathroom and I'm expecting my dad to freak out again. I'm like, I'm not knowing what to expect. And he's sitting in the recliner with the dog and he's like, come sit down with us. Let's watch some TV. And I'm just like, for real? Like, I don't say that, but I'm just kind of cautious. Like, is this a trap? Like, but that just ended up being how it was. He would um, freak out, and then immediately after, everything would be fine again. It was an eggshell walk Crystal learned to navigate around her father with precision. To forgive quickly and carry on was a learned trait. She actually didn't tell me anything. She didn't tell me why she moved out here. She didn't tell me a whole lot about her. She actually stayed clear away from who she was completely. She was more about making people happy, making them laugh, um, experiences, having fun, stuff like that. She was never really a Debbie Downer, so to say. Her friends only knew Crystal had a rocky relationship with her mom. As it was evident, the two rarely talked. She was not there emotionally, she wasn't there physically, she wasn't there mentally. And I I mean, I don't know how you can go your day-to-day life without at least calling and being like, hey, how you doing? Like, do you need anything? Even if you guys don't agree, at least make sure your, your offspring is alive and doing well. Crystal was alive, but was not doing well. Coming up on the next episode of Killing Dad, Sextgate for the Teen Lovers. I didn't know if she was in school or not when she took those pictures. And Crystal's dad proves to be the ally she always wanted. But how long would it last? 
I could tell from my dad's side of the conversation he was talking to his lawyer. So I guess I felt kind of happy because my dad was doing this thing for me that my mom hadn't done. 